Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey everyone, it's election day. So before you head out to your polling location, I wanted to recap the key races and stories one last time before your voice is heard on the ballot. From the mayor's race to city controller and more, Houston Landing's political writer Paul Cobbler joins me to get you ready for election day. It's Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Paul, welcome back in. Second time here on CityCast Houston. The first one was so much fun that we have to bring you back, right? It's election day. We made it. How are you? Hey, Real, Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be back again. Uh, election day is today, so they're definitely keeping me busy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Early voting is over. The day has arrived. Now, let's talk about the actual election cycle, because for the most part, it was pretty uneventful. We had the Sheila Jackson Lee tape, which was the biggest story. But is there anything else that you'll remember from this election cycle covering it? Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of pundits that this election just really isn't getting quite the amount of attention they expected. Um it definitely is a very important one. This is certainly an open seat for mayor. A lot of folks are paying attention to that. For me, I, I when I started here, I moved to Houston at the end of July. And the first kind of story I jumped on was our county election administrator being abolished by the state legislature in the spring. That took effect September 1st. So this election is going to be our first one in Harris County, where the county clerk and the county tax assessor and collector are running the election instead of our county administrator, the first one since our elections administrator was abolished. They'd run it previously as recently as 2021, but this is the first one back. It has been a point of huge controversy because we had had a couple of troubled elections previously, results taking hours and hours to come in, paper ballots running out at certain polling places. I'm sure you guys have all heard the controversy. So this is going to be the first time under this new kind of state created system where we're going to see how this all plays out. I mean, we're all hoping for a very efficient, well-run election night, but it's really hard to say what's going to happen considering our recent troubles and all the changes that have happened now at the, uh, at the county level. By all accounts, early voting was very smooth. And I know the county clerk has already said we have enough paper ballots, so no one freak out. We are prepared for this. There's a lot of polling locations. I know there was an issue early on in early voting with are there enough locations that can help people with disabilities, right? Like, can you access these locations? But it looks like those are even being fixed now. But it looks like it hopefully will be smooth. Yeah, I I, I will say I spent a lot of time out at polling places over the last two weeks during early voting. Early voting is certainly a different animal than election day itself, but I really didn't see any lines. We heard about a few lines on Friday, which is often the uh, busiest day of early voting anyway. Um, But it sounds like everything still went smoothly. Just some folks had to wait a little longer. But throughout the rest of the week, when I went and voted myself, they had plenty of paper. Um, this (laughs) This was the second day of early voting, so I should hope so. But I didn't really see any lines. It seems like everybody had a pretty easy, smooth experience for the most part. 
And don't forget HarrisVotes.com. You can find all your polling locations. If you are going to go vote today, make sure you make a plan. And as I've said in previous episodes, find a couple of locations, right? Because in case the first one does have a line and you need to get back to work or you need to get somewhere to have that second location ready, right? And, you know, plan to go and get it done. But hopefully there aren't too many long lines and we can all get in and vote. Yeah. And I just got to recommend everybody. HarrisVotes.com also has estimates on waiting time online. So you can look if you're going to vote today ahead of time, see what the line looks like, see if there's another polling place nearby that might have a shorter one and then go out and vote. All right, let's jump into it. The biggest race that everyone's talking about, the mayor's race. Let's recap the top three candidates in your eyes and lay out what listeners will be voting for with each candidate and even what the city would look like if this candidate won. Let's start with the biggest one, Sheila Jackson Lee. Yeah, Sheila Jackson Lee. I, I would say she's the one of the two biggest candidates, maybe not, maybe not top three, but she she is having a very interesting kind of last leg of the election. She if anybody remembers, there was this audio recording that leaked. We aren't sure how old it was, but she did acknowledge that it's real, that it exists, um, in a statement a couple of weeks ago. And said she was regretful for her berating of a staff, is I think the word to use, but there was a lot of explicit language in it. And then within days of this recording leaking, she had her uh, campaign chairman uh, be assaulted by this right-wing blogger, allegedly assaulted. We're not really too sure what happened yet. He, he denies that he initiated the altercation, but it was just another really crazy moment, right, you know, weeks before election day. So she is she is running kind of as the progressive's choice for mayor. She is a man, she's had a 30-year career in Congress now. She was a city council member before that. She is somebody who, you know, she says she's running to come quote home to Houston. She is known for her passion, for her public speaking, for her work ethic. And so that's kind of her message is that as a longtime experienced federal official, she's going to come back to Houston, she's going to work hard, and she's going to know where to get the federal dollars that she has been working so closely with in Washington. And that's the kind of advantage that she can bring to the city of Houston as mayor. All right. How about John Whitmire? What do we know about him and how the city would look if he ended up winning? John Whitmire, the dean of the Senate, he has been in the state legislature for 50 years now. He's been a state senator for a little bit less than that. He was in the uh, House of Representatives before that. You know, his message is that he's kind of the pragmatist choice for mayor, that he is somebody who can work on either side of the aisle, that can bring the city together, and that he has been doing this for so long. He's been in politics for so long. He can bring real kind of smart solutions to the many issues that the city has. You know, he's primarily running off of a public safety message that, you know, what I've heard him say is that none, none of this matters unless people feel safe. So he has this plan to invite Department of Public Safety state troopers in to supplement our police force and help with patrols and neighborhoods. But then from there, it's kind of an infrastructure message as far as cleaning up our streets, fixing potholes, kind of the basic running of a city government, but he promises to do it better. Yeah, he really he showed off those potholes in his TV commercials. I mean, every commercial, like, oh, there's another pothole. Like, yeah, I know, I see it. I see mm -hmm. it. So There's a lot of potholes on TV these days. Yeah, a lot of potholes. Now, number three, you tell me, who is the third biggest candidate in this race? Yeah, well, if we go off of polling, there there is a, a third choice, but it's close. Gilbert Garcia, the uh, former chair of Metro, and he's also a businessman, a very wealthy businessman, very successful. 
longtime Houstonian, and he's running as kind of the outsider. He he wants to sort of has this message of I am not a career politician. I am coming to City Hall running for mayor with outsider ideas. He's really running this campaign kind of railing against corruption, alleged corruption that he sees in the city of Houston against wasteful spending. But he's also, you know, he's also fairly liberal. I I wouldn't say he's certainly progressive, but he's kind of running this, I'm going to blow things up. I'm going to do things differently. And I have the experience from Metro to do that. I have the experience as an outsider, as a successful businessman to be able to do that too. I can give you a fourth. I would say Jack Christie is the fourth person in polling. He is a former council member. He is kind of the conservative that is running for office. There is a, there is one more, MJ Khan, who's also a former council member, but Jack Christie is is doing a little better in polling. And then, so they're kind of, he's kind of the guy that conservatives who don't want to vote for John Whitmire are going to, but he's polling at about 4% at this point. So is also not seeing him make a big move, but you never know what's going to happen today. Yeah, you never know. So you don't know, but I'm still going to ask you, what do you think happens tonight with this race? Yeah, you know, and I and I, I hate to predict, but I think I'm pretty safe in making the prediction that we're going to see a runoff next month in early December between Sheila Jackson Lee and John Whitmire. The two of them have some really strong bases. They're both pulling over 30%. No other candidate is pulling really over 6% other than those two. Um, so pretty much every pundit I've spoken to, every campaign consultant, everybody is expecting a runoff between those two in this election season to last another month. Now, with the runoff in a story that you wrote earlier, I found this really fascinating. So here's a quote. Whitmire will start with a huge cash advantage if there is a runoff. Newly filed campaign finance reports show as of Saturday, he had $4.3 million in the bank compared to Jackson Lee's $108,000. He also outspent her $3.3 million to $1.1 million. Those numbers mean that Jackson Lee could be forced to start a runoff campaign making calls to donors. She had a harder time than Whitmire raising money in October, netting $333,000 to $520,000 for Whitmire. So with those numbers out there, does this mean that just because Sheila Jackson Lee is more popular, that she really doesn't need all this much money to get her word out because of her popularity? Or is it that she isn't as popular as we think she is? Yeah, well, and, and she is certainly incredibly popular among part of the city. And that's kind of her problem is that in polling, she has this base of about 30 something percent that love her, that will not leave her and they're going to vote for her today. And then she has another 50 percent or so of the city that say they would never support her in any election, whether it's a runoff against John Mayer, whether it's his first round of voting. And that's kind of the problem. I, I've spoken to some consultants about this issue, some experts on politics who say, Money isn't everything, but it, I think the, the phrase was, but it makes things a lot easier. You don't need to have money to run a winning campaign, but it's going to make your life so much easier when you can pay people to go knock on doors. You can pay people to sit outside of polling places. You can have your face on television. You can have your face on billboards. Without that, it comes down to the ground game. Sheila Jackson Lee has a legendary ground game. She This is not her first time running for office in the city of Houston. She knows how to get out. She knows how to knock on doors. Like I said, she has a lot of very passionate supporters and volunteers. So that's kind of the that's kind of the plan. That's how you overcome the money situation. You get out, you get your face in front of voters the old-fashioned way, block walking. But like I said, money is a huge advantage. And John Whitmire has a lot more of it than Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee does. So if it is a runoff, I think the first thing that I always think of when it is a runoff is that scene from Zoolander when 
Hansel and Zoolander are at the club and they go, it's going to be a walk-off. I don't know. It just I don't know why. I just think it's going to be a runoff. And this is what it's going to be. Whitmire against Sheila Jackson Lee. It's going to be the two of them, I think. We'll see what happens tonight. I don't want to. I'll, I'll look really silly if someone's listen, listening to this tomorrow. And it's uh, there's an outright winner. But I feel pretty good about that guess. Let's go to City Controller. This is the next big race that everyone's talking about. We had Chris Hollins on the podcast, so we've talked to him about it. But let's talk about his opponents, Orlando Sanchez, Dave Martin, and Shannon Nobles. How do you see this race playing out? Yeah, you know, it's four fairly well-known candidates in the kind of realm of local Houston politics. So I would be surprised if there's an outright winner tonight. Chris Hollins certainly has has a higher name recognition than a lot of them, but... Shannon Nobles already works in the office. Um, and Dave Martin is a longtime city council member, the, the council pro tem. And so they, I think there's a lot of ideological difference between a lot of these candidates too, with Chris Hollins as the progressive. Shannon Nobles is kind of the centrist. She's done this before. And then we have Dave Martin is the sort of Republican in this nonpartisan election. And so I think that's going to split the vote. And with that number of kind of well-known candidates and that just number of candidates in general, I can see this also going to runoff as well. But again, we won't know until we know. Okay. One of the great things about early voting is that you've been out there, as you mentioned, covering it, talking to constituents and seeing how they're feeling. Tell me, what are some of your big findings being out there and talking to early voters? Yeah, I I think people are excited. The ones that are going out to vote, it it Turnout is up for early voting this year compared to 2019, and then especially compared to 2015, which was the last time that we had a uh, open mayor's seat. So it is up. It's not up astronomically at this point. Our population is larger than it was back then too. But you know, I am hearing some excitement from a lot of people to vote for mayor. Um, a couple of state propositions on property taxes, on the hospital bond. People are excited to vote for that too. I think there's a couple different things that are bringing people out here, but I don't really see this being like a record setting turnout election. I I would say the issues that I hear the most from people is kind of the uh, basic ones. I I don't really honestly hear crime come up as much as I think candidates would want it to be. It's a lot of infrastructure. It's a lot of our neighborhoods need fixing up. Um, Housing is too costly and we need somebody to do something about that. But then also, if you go to the right part of town, it's a lot of people saying, I'm going out to vote because I don't want Sheila Jackson Lee to be mayor, Um, which is really an interesting thing to hear, you know, when there are people that are just motivated by this kind of single issue, which is we don't like Sheila Jackson Lee. And so it's it's been really interesting to see that polling kind of play out in person, too. I will say this is an election where because of the amendments that are on the ballot and what it can mean for property taxes, what it can mean for the future of funding for universities and research and so many other day-to-day issues. I've been talking to a lot of people who are like going out just for the amendments, right? Out in Fort Bend where I am, we don't have many seats to vote for right now. It's more about the amendments and local amendments as well. But is that the case as well that you've been talking to people like they are excited about these state amendments? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because my focus has just been mostly on the mayor's race. And so I go out there excited to talk to people about their vote for mayor. And I kept hearing, oh, I'm really interested in this property tax thing. Mm-hmm. You run into a lot of homeowners um, and taxes matter to people. It's kind of those those same basic issues. We can talk about all of these big national issues all we want. But the thing that really gets people motivated is going to be their taxes at the end of the day. And so I, I found that to be interesting. I think a lot of homeowners are, are out for that one, too. and 
yeah, I, I would say that's the one that I have kind of popping up the most. There's also the uh, bond, state bond on hospitals that's been brought up to me a couple of different times. And then Proposition 5 is another one that's gotten a little bit of attention from folks. It's to uh, create a research fund for universities. I think, you know, a lot of people think universities are important and need to be funded. So that's certainly something that's been uh, coming up. Yeah. And don't forget, we have a great episode with Tim Carlin from Houston Landing about all the amendments. So make sure you listen to that. I've linked that in our show notes so you can listen to that before you head out to the polling location of your choice. So the great thing about this Tuesday episode that we do, Paul, is that at the end, I always give the guest a moment to air any kind of issues that they have, any kind of gripe you have. You can take it. This is your floor now. What do you have for us? Man, my my gripe is I think just looking forward to tonight. I'm I'm really thinking about how much I hope this election night goes smoothly and I get to go to bed tonight and not tomorrow morning. Um, you know, like I said, this is the first election under this kind of new administrative setup at the county. I've heard a lot of horror stories from my colleagues that have been and covered elections in Houston about results coming in at 2 a.m., about final drafts being published sometime after that. So I am just thinking ahead to tonight and really sending out some good vibes that we're going to have a very efficient count. Things are going to run really smoothly down to Energy Stadium, and I'm going to get to bed at a decent hour. That's the hope, right? That is the hope right there that everything goes smoothly, not only for you, but just for democracy's sake, right? Like, exactly. so everyone has exactly. a, uh, everyone has an understanding of what's going on. And I, I love that. And my gripe here is I always say this and I've done my research on this. It's not possible, but I wish we could just vote on our smartphones and we can just vote easily. So it would be easier for everyone to vote. But I've been listening to so many different podcasts. I've been researching and talking to people. They're like, it's just not possible because it is so easy to you know get into the systems to mess with the vote it's just not secure enough yet so cyber hacks are real but that is my gripe i hope one day we can figure it out we're doing so many great things and we're changing the way mankind is operating can we just figure out how we can vote from phones our phones boom let's get it done we got self-driving cars on the streets of houston and you're telling me we can't find a way to vote by phone it's unbelievable yeah, well, the- the the problem is those some of those cars are being pulled off the street. So <laughs> Yeah. I was gonna say they're not they're not running very well, so maybe that's not a good benchmark. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. Awesome coverage throughout the entire election cycle. And it looks like you're in for another month of election coverage if there is a runoff in the key races. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you so much. We're in for an exciting night tonight. That was Paul Cobbler. You can read all of his work on Houston Landing. So how was it out at the polls? Let us know about your experience voting in Harris County and surrounding areas with the info in our show notes. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Whose dog is it? Is it your dog, Paul? It's my dog. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to make sure.